have podium, we'll travel. Good morning. It's good to see you today. It's always good to be here. It's been a long week for many of us and many of this, uh, this, um, at the church here, of course. Just a few notes of our hearts certainly go out to Mona Urbach in the passing of our, our brother in Christ, Stephen, this, this past Monday and also a former member, um, Tansy Wilson, um, her uh, mother-in-law passed away this week. I did a service for them yesterday and and early yesterday morning. Uh, Chris and uh, Chris Wilson, um, her um, uh, mother passed away early in the morning and um, has gone to be with the Lord now. And and certainly we want you to know, Chris, our hearts go to you and and uh, our love as much as we can extend it to you, sweetheart. I bless you. Let's just have a prayer. Father, um, we are mindful that we are these individuals that you've placed here on planet Earth, and we just have a season. You tell us in Scripture our lives are like these flowers that bloom and then they fade, or the steam that comes and goes and disappears. Father, it's never seemingly a good time in all of that, but in each one of these individuals that I've mentioned in their families, may they find comfort in knowing that they were all believers and they all have their faith put in Jesus Christ, and the promise is they now live forever. So help us to grasp that and hold on to that, Father, uh, that someday we will meet again because of your promise to us. So we ask that you will comfort their families and be with them as only you can be in this time, but help all of us as brothers and sisters in Christ to reach across the aisles and, and reach into the hearts of others and tell them how much we love them and are praying for them Encourage them in this time of their loss, Father. Again, thank you for being here with us today. We invite you to come, and um, we ask that your spirit be filled and fill this place. In Jesus' holy name, we believe. Amen and amen. A little girl had been trying for months to learn how to tie her, t- her shoes. She worked and worked and worked, but she just couldn't quite get it. But one day, one day, she finally figured it out. She was so overwhelmed, she began to start crying. She just sobbed. Her father came in and saw her, and she said, Sweetheart, what's wrong? And he said, or she said, Well, I just learned how to tie my shoes. And he said, Well, that's good, sweetheart. That's wonderful. That's so awesome. That's great. It shows that you are growing up. It's showing that you can now tie your own shoes, and you can do things for yourself. And she simply replied, Yes, but now that I can tie my own shoes... Now that I can tie my own shoes, I have to do it all by myself the rest of my life. A lot of people feel like that in their Christian walk. They come by faith to uh, Jesus Christ in Him, and they accept Him, and they find themselves sitting on a pew or in a pickup truck or wherever it is in life, and they feel like, now that I've come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I've got to do this. I've got to work at this the rest of my life. In other words, I have to do it. I give you the title here today is this treadmill religion. And I give that because of the things that go on in our lives, goes on in the body of Christ as well. And it's probably to set the stage of some things that I want to talk about this fall. I'm not really sure when I'm going to get to it. So maybe it's just a, an advertisement of that, if you will, but it actually 
means a lot to me because I have been there. Jesus said that I have come, that you might have life and have it to its fullest in John 10. And when you read that and we say, wow, this is great, it's going to be a great life. I mean, this is going to be just wonderful for me and all that I do. Yet I have discovered that many people that are followers of him are simply saying that I'm exhausted. I'm worn out. My life is anything but full. I'm tired. I don't feel like I can do this anymore. Now, there are many reasons for that, of course, and we should probably address each one of those reasons why a person might feel like that in their life. But yet, nonetheless, one reason is certainly due to this thing called treadmill religion. So let me explain. I believe the treadmill religion actually started, began right after the, the writing of the Ten Commandments were given by God. Um, the reason I say that is anything given to man by God, seemingly someone comes along and distorts it. That's what we do. Um, if you look at the Ten Commandments, and of course it's all in the Old Testament, it's the law of Moses, of course, and as you go through that process, but you get to the New Testament, the coming of Christ, and there in the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene, and we know things are going to change. Because all throughout the history in the Old Testament, it's the coming of the Messiah. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. And now, in the New Testament, we have his arrival. And when he when he gets here, of course, he knows what he's going to find. Of course, he's God, God in flesh, the God, the Father, or God, the Son. And in this process, when he gets here, he sees the religious leaders, those ones that are coming into picture, or the ones that people look to to find out what is going on in their lives, spiritually speaking. He finds that they have done exactly what I'm talking about, a treadmill religion. And so in chapter 23 of Matthew, he unleashes probably some of the harshest words that he uses in Scripture. And he gets right up into the face of them and tells them exactly what they're doing and what they've done. But he also talks to people like you and me. And so you see on the screen here, if you kind of imagine this, if you will, and I take this translation because it kind of helped me work through that a little bit. But Jesus said to the crowds and to the disciples, now stop just a second. When anywhere there was a crowd, especially at this time in his ministry, Matthew 23, at this time in his ministry, the crowds were large. But every time there was a crowd, there was always the Pharisees or the teachers of the law that were there somewhere on, on the surface. They were either down front watching what he was going to do, or they were back behind the crowds because they wanted to see what he's doing. Because they knew, they knew that he was interrupting their business. And so in this, he, he begins to speak. And he says to them, he says, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are experts in the law of Moses. Stop. If the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are present and they hear this, I guarantee you they're thinking to themselves, this guy's right on our side. He's got it right. We're the experts. Feeling pretty good so far. In fact, he goes on to say, so obey everything they teach you. Stop. Man, they got to be feeling really, really good about themselves, don't they? I mean, this is going to be really good. They got to do everything we tell them to do. Man, he is on our side after all. He's come around. But then he throws in this little curveball, which I believe lights them on fire. I could see it in the crowd. So he says, so obey everything they teach you, but... 
Don't do as they do after all. They say one thing and do something else. Man, they're steaming. They pile heavy burdens on people's shoulders and won't lift a finger to help. Wow. Those are tough things. I believe that this treadmill religion is still around. Jesus had no problem of them teaching the Ten Commandments. I want you to know that. The Ten Commandments came from God. God's writing on the tablets, as we know. The Ten Commandments were given for a purpose. They were given so that we might, man might understand what sin is. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. Thou shalt not, thou shalt. Have no other gods before me, don't kill. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, honor your mother and father. Thou shalt have no other gods before me, easy to go down the list. So it was to show us what sin is in our lives. It was not to redeem us. It was to show us how much we had fallen or how much we would fall in that process. The Ten Commandments were were given to teach man, again, what sin was. He didn't have a problem with them teaching the Ten Commandments. He had a problem with them teaching all their add-ons. All the add-ons that God had not given them and given them authority to do so. Hence, treadmill religion. And in this process, treadmill. What is a treadmill? Some of you like to walk or run on a treadmill. Who likes to do that? Anybody in here? Anybody? i got about six people in here that like to exercise. I was really thinking about putting a treadmill up here, and I probably would have had a little bit more time. But I worked on this on uh, actually Friday, and I was thinking about putting a treadmill up here and then maybe having Alex come up here and just run that whole 40 minutes. <laughs> Next time I do this message, I'm going to do that. That'd be great, wouldn't it? All right. But in that process, a treadmill, a treadmill, a treadmill is designed to do more than you can do. That's its design. If you do a mile, it does two. You do five, it does ten. You do twenty, it does forty. If you're capable of doing a hundred, it'll do two hundred. It's designed to do more than you can do. And it doesn't matter, listen to this, it doesn't matter how many miles you have walked or run on that treadmill. Because when you get off, you haven't gone anywhere. You're right where you started. You know what my dad would call that? Stupid. (laughs) Whatever. Thanks, Dad. That's what the teachers of the law were doing. They had added all these regulations. Now watch this. They had all added all these regulations to, to it so no one would be able to keep up. They added them on purpose. Why? Why did they add all these things? They say upwards of 1,200 regulations were added to the Ten Commandments. Why would they add all those? Because if you could check off everything on the list, you would no longer need them in your life, the religious leaders. To me, that sounds like a government and politicians. Just when you think that you've mastered it, just when you think you've mastered it, you've arrived, someone comes along and shifts the gears or turns up the speed. And it happens. 
You may want to rest, but you can't find rest. You may want to slow down, but you won't, you can't slow down. You may want to get off, but you can't get off because if you know if you slow down just the least little bit, you're going to fall and smack your nose. I'm going to put up this uh, next scripture. It's Ephesians chapter 2, and I would encourage you to read the whole chapter, read all of it, and I'm not going to read all of it, but I'm going to pull out a couple verses today that will hopefully help us through this process. So what do we do with this process? What do we do with all this stuff if it's going on? We say to ourselves something like this often, or people would say, and in the process, we say to ourselves, and in the process, often demanded of other people. It's one thing to demand of yourself something, but it's something else to demand it of other people. You may want to run on a treadmill. I don't like it. So you can't demand that I run on one. But in the, in, in the spiritual world or in the religious world, that's exactly what begins to happen. So oftentimes we do it ourselves, but then we demand it of others to do the same. Run faster, run faster, run faster, do more, do more, do more. And we find ourselves not catching up. It does happen in our spiritual lives. Treadmill religion is a dangerous stuff. It's a dangerous thing. But some believe that it must be taught. And they believe that it must be taught or God will somehow zap you like a bug in a bug zapper. That God is just waiting to see you and I fail so that he can zap us. Take us out. There was another one. Aha! I got another one today. And some feel that way in their spirits, so they drive themselves on this treadmill, and they just work and they work and they work and they work and they work. But yet as Christians, we understand that ours isn't about works. Ours isn't about works. All other religions connected to works. Christianity is not. That's why it makes no sense to most of the world. And I'll explain in a few minutes. Someone wrote, David uh, summons a minister and said these words. The harder I try, this is a Christian crying out for help. said, the harder I try, the worse I feel. And when I quit trying, I really feel condemned. Boom. Busted. On the treadmill of religion. A busted nose in life. However, there are people who often try to live on the treadmill. They can be a deacon. They can be a preacher, they can be an elder, or perhaps they can be the person that's sitting in your seat today. Why? Why is the question? It can be upbringing, it can be multiple things, of course, but first let me say, while it is true that some use this as an excuse, they simply say, ha-ha, that's why I don't get involved in anything. I don't do anything. Because you see, I can never keep up, and so therefore I just don't get on a treadmill at all. Therefore, I'm not going to do anything, and boom, it's okay. That's why I don't get involved. There's enough of those in the body of Christ. Trust me, there is. They won't get involved in any ministries. They just choose not to. No, it's not for me. I'm not going to do it. Why? Just not going to do it. Why? Not going to do it. And then there are those who exploit the gift of God's grace. Oftentimes, it's those people. But it can be any of us. They exploit God's grace, and by, by that I simply mean what they do is they say, well, God is a God of forgiveness. Give me an amen. And God is a God of grace. Give me an amen. So therefore, if that's what he is, what he does, therefore I can do, or it's God's job to forgive me. And when you run that race, you run a race that can't be won either. 
but yet we fall in those categories. The correct response to grace is obedience. Always has been, always will be. The gift of grace from God is an amazing thing, amazing grace, we sing. But that precious gift can be abused on both sides. How? Those who would deny it altogether and those who try to change its meaning altogether and apply it to your life as well as their own. If one thinks performance is connected to grace or grace is somehow connected to performance and not to the response to it, they often cause the treadmill to be cranked up a little bit. A little higher, a little steeper, and a little faster. And eventually, exhaustion comes and many quit. Empty spots and pews, one reason why. I quit. That's truth. It's not the only reason, but it is a reason. So what is grace? Someone yells out and simply says, well, it's unmerited favor. And you're correct. Unmerited favor. Something that you don't deserve. Something that we don't deserve. And it's truth. We don't deserve it. It is true, but this, I'm going to say this about grace. I'm going to talk, because really this message is about that. You have to understand it to get out of that treadmill religion. You have to understand grace, but you have to understand it correctly. And oftentimes we don't, so we shift in our thinking. Grace is only what God can give in its fullest form. We can extend grace to one another, and we should and we do. But without God connected to the grace, it can never be extended in its fullest form. It can't be done. Because anything that God gives cannot be given more of. You can't do it. Because you can't give more than what God has given You can't give more than what God is. You can't outgive God in any area or anything of your life. It just cannot be done. This is why, as Christians, we need to clothe ourselves, long to clothe ourselves with Jesus, gazing on Jesus, as Stan mentioned earlier. Why? Because when we gaze upon Jesus, when we when we digest Him, we clothe ourselves, Romans chapter 13, we clothe ourselves with Him. The more I have of what He offers, the more I can extend to others. And that's why it's important in our lives. I bathe in His love so I can love my wife better. Because God is love. I am not. I'm trying. The way I do that better is not by myself, but get close to God, which is love. I bathe myself in His forgiveness for me and all the things that I've done, even just this week. I then can extend more forgiveness to people that might offend me or hurt me in some way. I bathe in His grace, and so I can offer grace to others. Unmerited favor. I can extend it to them whether they want it or not. I extend it to them. That frees you, not them. It frees you. Extending grace frees you. Someone needs to hear that today. So we say, okay, I got it figured out. Hmm, okay. Maybe it's balance is what we need. Balance would be good. Balance sounds good, doesn't it? Well, while I would agree that balance is a good thing in many things, you need to have in your diet a pretty good balance. If it's all cakes and sweets, and, and, and no, no roughage, you know, carrots and asparagus. Who, who come up with that one? But nonetheless, 
you got to have a balance there. So I would agree that balance is good in many things in our lives. But I want to tell you this, and you need to hear very clearly, that if you're relying on balance for your salvation, you, my friend, are headed for a disaster. A disaster. Because balanced religion is not taught in God's Word, period. It's not balanced. Just live this way, and it'll be okay. Just live that way a little bit. It'll be okay. That's what the world might teach you. But it's not okay. It's not a balanced thing. Speaking of Mike Cope that Stan mentioned earlier, he told a story of a conference that I was at one time. Uh, he, he does a lot of conferences, apparently. But nonetheless, and he does, a great guy. Uh, I think he's still in Cerise, if I'm... Uh, no, is he still in Abilene? I think he's still in Abilene. He was in Cerise, he moved to Abilene. This may have been when I heard him. But anyway... He said a young lady came to him and simply said, I have this reoccurring dream. He said, well, what is it? And she simply said that it is a dream of me, God making me walk a tightrope. And Jesus is standing on the sidelines, wringing his hands and praying and hoping that somehow, some way, I can just make it to the other side. I just hope I can. I just hope I can. I sure hope I've done enough. Tightrope walking. Treadmill religion. Thinking our performance can get us to heaven is like a bumblebee believing that he can take on the windshield of an oncoming 18-wheeler to 50 miles an hour. It's silly. But yet we try. Yet we try. Ephesians chapter 2 and just verse number 8, I pull one out there for you. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Wow. And this is not from yourselves. Nope. Nope. It is a gift of God. It's a gift. Separates us from all other religions. God says, here. All other religions say, work, work, work. Get on that treadmill. Work, work, work. And maybe, just maybe, you'll get off at the right time. God says, here. It's a free gift from God. And then he goes on to say, not by works. He tells us plainly, not by works. He's shaking them up. So that no one can boast. So that you won't be the Pharisee standing behind the crowd or the Pharisee sitting in front of the crowd saying, ha we got it all right. We're the experts. We've checked the list off and we get in. You don't. Remember the story, and some of you might be reading, still reading to your kids. I, I don't, I think it's Little Engine that could. Is that the title? I don't know. But anyway, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. It's a pretty good encouraging book. It's really encouraging for small kids. So we take that into our lives, don't we? This is what we do. You earn money. You earn respect. You earn promotions. So you must have to earn salvation. For it makes no sense for a God that would give you such a free gift of heaven. Makes no sense. Wait a minute. That makes no sense. Why would you do that? What? Why? Why would you do that? 
so I must have to earn it. This view of salvation is why I believe you see so many miserable, faithful Christians. That's not an, it sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But I will tell you in the body of Christ, because I are one and I've tried it. You're faithful. They're faithful in what they're doing. They're faithful to church. Man, they're going to be there when the doors open. They're going to be there. They're going to be there because if Jesus showed up and I was supposed to be at church, I'm lost. And in this process, they're miserable all the time. They're faithful, but they're miserable. They perform, but they can't find peace. Can't find rest. And yet the Scripture says that we have peace in Him and we will find rest in Him. So if there's peace and rest, when in the world am I going to get it? If you're in a treadmill religion, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. Jesus did not come to help us be religious superstars. Did you ever meet one? He came to deliver us from an empty religion. John chapter 8, I'm not going to read that for you, but you can see it there for yourself. He came to offer us a gift of grace, which is salvation. And the church should say, Amen. And I mean, we should really say, Amen again. He came with the gift of grace. God sends grace, and that grace is extended to you, and it gives you salvation. And the one that delivered that message is the only one that you can go through to get the result of salvation. God says, take this gift to my people. He takes the gift. Here, you got to take it through Jesus. When you take it through Jesus, it gets you to God. God's perfect design. Always perfect. Never failing. He sets you free from the treadmill religion. Free from your sin. Not to hook up to a bunch of regulations, but to a Savior that has set you free. Talk about that in just a minute. Certainly, we are called, because somebody's saying, whoa, 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 this guy, he didn't read on down there in Ephesians. Well, I've read down there in Ephesians, and it's, it's verse number 10. Go ahead with that one. Certainly, we are called to do what God has called us to do. But don't confuse the voice, His voice, with the demand of the voice of treadmill religion. That's what the Pharisees did. They were demanding things that God had not given them the authority to demand. On others. For God, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus, hallelujah, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God had already had them set in order. Good works, yes, but not to get in or to stay in, but out of gratitude. So what's the answer to someone on the treadmill? It may not be you today. You may be the one that's just got off and said, I don't have to do anything. I can just be here in grace, man. I'm good. But someone might listen to this in the weeks ahead or whatever the case is. But so what, what, what's the answer to that? Well, the first thing I would simply say is this. Realize that God has turned off the machine. He's turned it off. 
Grace turns off the treadmill religion. Turns it off. And praise God for grace. Stop trying to perform to get what God has already given you freely. You can't perform enough for God to say, because you have worked so hard, you get in. You get a little sticker because you, I got this Fitbit. Donna got me this Fitbit. Uh, I, I don't even know what it's for, but it keeps buzzing on my arm saying, you want to go for a walk? <laughs> Take another 6,290 steps and you're almost there. Makes sense to me. Performance. Wow, you've arrived. I hit my 10,000 mark the other day and a thing buzzed off my hand and I thought it was electrocuting me. It's the first time it went off like that. I was like, whoa, I gotta get this off my wrist. Whoa, do I get a prize? No, just some little figure walking across the screen there saying, you did good. I don't know where that came from, but whatever, I need to laugh a little bit too. God gave us Jesus to latch onto. He gave us Jesus to latch onto because He is the only way to get there. Through Him, you receive God's grace. When one truly comes, and I wrote this down this week, God has been really speaking to my heart this week, and so I, I, when He does speak to my heart, my spirit, and I say that, He's not a voice, it's my spirit. I want you to know that. And when He does, I try and try and try to listen, of course. And, and it's usually at an odd time, and I have to pull off the road or whatever. And, and I've learned to do that and get it down as quick as I can because I know Harley will forget it. When one truly comes to understand grace, the fullness of God's grace, not just that we say, grace, it's unmerited, thank you, I'm going home. But fully come to understand the meaning of grace. I believe at least three things, probably hundreds, but three things, three things will happen in your life. So if you write them down, it'd be great. If that's what you need to do. Number one, you will know what real freedom is. You'll just know what real, real freedom is. I've, chains are gone. I've been set free. You'll know it when you understand grace. Number two, you'll never be ashamed to testify about the one that set you free. You'll never be ashamed to testify about the one that set you free. You won't. You may not, I don't know what to say, but you'll be able to testify. Why? Because you're free. And you know the one that set you free. It wasn't you, and it wasn't about you being on a treadmill. Number three, you will never hesitate to do good works in the kingdom of God. You'll never hesitate to do good works in the kingdom of God. Not because you have to, but because you get to. You get to. You get to. Wow. And when true grace is received, you then perform to the response of grace received. You perform in life with peace, not stress, joy, and not worry. In fact, you get somewhere that treadmill religion will not let you get. Trusting God who has already given Jesus for your salvation. 
and has given the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to the fullness of God's goodness. This will allow you to do things in the kingdom, not out of a must-to attitude, but a love-to attitude. I didn't know why I wrote that down, but when I did, I came back to the office. And this was after I did a funeral yesterday. Because I could not get a closure to this. And so I, I, I was thinking of all the events of this week. And when thinking of this week of the loss of our brother Stephen and all, I, I, I thought of all the individuals. This is just going through my mind. I'm trying to clear my mind and get this stuff straight. And all the individuals that God has put into my life that have made such a major impact in my spiritual walk with God. Everybody I know doesn't do that. But there is a group of individuals that have made these precious impact in my spiritual walk with God. Whether it be those that have already got on to be with the Lord, like Stephen or Carol or Dan or my brother. And those were the ones that just came to my mind just like that. Or those that are still a great part of my life today. And they know exactly who they are. What all of them had in common, what all of them had in common that I've discovered is this, that each one of them had the same attitude in this sense. They all, every single one of them, they all had a a love to attitude. They each understood without God's grace that they would be lost and therefore they gave not out of a must-give attitude but a love-to-give attitude. Every single one of them. And that gave me some peace in my spirit that I really needed, folks. Because it energized me enough to realize that's what I need to have in my life is a love-to attitude. I'd love to do. I'd love to do that. Understanding God's grace correctly will motivate you to do good works, which in return gives God the glory, and you complete joy. Scripture teaches us. John 15. Close. If you have not given your life to Jesus Christ, listen closely. If you have not given your life to Christ, What you are doing is you are rejecting God's grace that has been waiting on you. It's just waiting on you. Imagine that. It's waiting on you. What God is longing to hear from you is the words, I'd love to. I'd love to God. I'd love to accept what you have offered me as a free gift, your son. Not that I deserve it, because I don't. But I accept it, and I give my life to you, and I want to experience the new birth, so that I might be forgiven and filled with all that you have for me. And the good works that are set before me. I'd love to accept that. But if you are a Christian and you have been trying or if you're the Christian that hasn't even been trying, 
can you now see that we are all called to serve with a love-to attitude because of what we have already been given? How can we not serve? How can we not do more? How can we not give more? How can we not love more? How can we not share with each other more? Out of knowing what we have already been given. Today, perhaps, he needed us to pray for you. Whatever your need is, we're going to sing a song just for you. Maybe you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. This is a good time for you to do that. It's waiting on you. God's grace is waiting on you. Accept it. It's a free gift. Imagine that. You came in here today, just you. And you can leave today with a free gift from God. And it's a gift that is an eternal one. Or maybe today you just have a prayer request. Good or bad, whatever's on your heart. We're here to serve you and to love on you. Come as together we stand and